Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. And today, I'm going to wrap up our series uh, on, entitled The King Has Come. past few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Jesus and the Christmas narrative and how powerful it is and how relevant it is even to today. 2,000 years ago, that story began, but it's still having an impact and still speaking to us today. And, you know, I know that uh, Christmas has passed, but I think we're still in, you know, you, you still get your tree up. You got one more day of Christmas music. Now, tomorrow, that tree better be down. There's no jo- jolly music going <laughs> uh, but, but today I think that we could still uh, talk a little bit about it. And I want to wrap the story up by looking at a character that's not usually examined in the story of Christmas, but a critical character. I want to look at the character of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read uh, really just one or two verses here, and we're going to see what God has to say to us. In the book of Matthew... Matthew chapter 2, it says this. Now they, now when they had departed, they being the wise men, when they had left, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to destroy, is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose And he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Today I want to speak to this church uh, on on the idea, on the concept of, of fatherhood, biblical manhood. And I'm speaking to every individual in this place, and I'm also speaking into the culture of our church. Today I want to speak to you from the subject, how to follow God and guard your family. How to follow God and guard your family. I believe that God expects his sons to provide and protect for their family and to protect against the plans of the enemy. So if you're a father in this place, this sermon's for you. If you're a young man, this is a sermon for who you are to become. If you are married to a man, I'm believing that this sermon is going to speak right into your family. And if you are looking for a man, you look like, look for a man like this. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit right now, come and speak right into our church, Lord. Choose, Lord, what our culture is. Let it not be the siren song of the world that causes us to drift into the world's ways. Lord, we want your ways and we want your words. So will you come, Holy Spirit, and will you speak to your people in Jesus' mighty name? Come on, all God's people said, amen. 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 We're going to break down uh, this verse in, in Matthew chapter 2, but the story begins with the wise men leaving. They came and they found Jesus and they worshiped him, and now they're leaving. The Bible says they went home by another path because God intervened, and, and they, God gave them a spirit of discernment in order to discern the plans that Herod had, which is to eliminate and to destroy the child and and. And the the truth of the matter is the spirit of Herod has been active and alive all throughout history. Ahab had the spirit of Herod on him. 
Herod exemplified that spirit. We saw that even in our recent history in the last century, the spirit of Herod was on people like Stalin and Hitler, where they come against the things and the people and the children of God. But make no mistake, God always has a plan. And God will always bring an intervention. And so the wise men duped Herod. They didn't come back and make this process easy for him. They went another way. And so Herod began to plan how to search out, find the child, and destroy this child himself. But God also was putting his plan into effect. And the truth is, we do have an enemy. Truth is, the enemy is against us and the Spirit of God in us. He's against Jesus, and he's against the carriers of Jesus. But God has a Joseph. God has a Mary. God has put leaders into the lives of our children. He has put fathers and mothers into this church. And God will use you, normal, everyday people, to intervene against the plan of the enemy. This is what happens with Joseph. That God chooses him. And God sends an angel to speak to Joseph. The Bible says, behold, an angel of the Lord. See, angels are messengers from the Lord. God has a message for his son. Appeared to Joseph in a dream, and the angel spoke to Joseph. I want you to hear me today. God speaks to fathers. God has something to say to fathers. God has a message for fathers. God has an intervention for fathers. The Holy Spirit has a word for the fathers of this house. And God had a word for Joseph. And hear me, God will speak to you fathers if you are willing to listen. When you pray, God will speak. When you meditate, God will speak. When you read the word, God will speak. When you gather with other godly men, Sunday morning, right here and right now, God will speak to you. If you need a word from God, you are in the right place. And the angel appears to Joseph, for God has something to say to fathers. Fathers are called to receive direction from God and then set the direction for their family. To receive the direction from God and then to set the direction for their family. Problem is, this requires effort. It is it requires a choice. The angel shows up in the middle of the night and says, it's time to get up. It's time to get moving. It's time to change. It's time to redirect. It's time to move your family and protect and guide your family. And this is difficult. This is a tough choice. There are difficult decisions that need to be made. And the problem is many times men don't set the direction for their family because they want to defer difficult decisions to others. I call it the uh, ask your mother mentality. <laughs> Just go ask your mother. You know how many guys have coasted through life for years on that mentality? The other night, my son asked me if, you know, it's usually like some sort of uh, sugary thing can they eat. And I, I said, go ask your mother. And then they, he went and asked uh, Samantha, and she goes, ask your father. And they came back to me. And like we were just, we caught him in this endless cycle. We caught him like a metaverse, a, a, a loop, you know, an infinite loop of ask your mother, ask your father, ask your mother, ask your father. And he still hasn't figured it out yet. He's still asking, you know. <laughs> but men, fathers, today I would propose to you that you are called fathers. You must be actively involved in critical decisions in the life of your family. What am I saying? I'm saying, fathers, you have to have an opinion. 
The option to say, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't get an opinion, that, that, is not, that is not your calling. That is not your mindset. Come on, you are called to make difficult decisions. You might say, well, that, that's risky. Well, what if I'm wrong? That's leadership. Leadership is setting the direction, not fully knowing the final destination, but setting the direction nonetheless and overcoming obstacles and making wise choices and taking the next step. Fathers, you are called, men, called to be actively involved in the critical decisions for the life of your family, your wife and your child. You're called to have an opinion. Because hear me, church, we cannot subcontract the raising of our children to other people. We cannot farm out the raising of our children to teachers and coaches and the television and social media and influencers and experts. They do not know your child or love your child. And they might be good people, but they are not called to your child. You are Joseph. You are Mary. You are chosen by God. And make no mistake, it's really God's child, right? You're the earthly father, but it's really God's child. You're the earthly mother, but it's really God's child. And you are there to shepherd that child along through life on behalf of your father. And so you got to have an opinion. you got to have a plan. And you got to hear from the Holy Spirit. Every step that you're called to take, you've got to be involved in the process. And specifically men must be involved in the critical areas of child of children's life. There are some areas that I believe that you need to consider. And I want to get very practical here about some of the areas that I believe need your decision making, need your research, need your mind and need your spirit. Spirit. The first area is the area of education. You need to have an opinion, men, on what school your children are going to attend. Who are their friends? Who teaches them? And is their teacher a weirdo? You gotta meet that teacher. You gotta sense it. What are they being taught? What are they being taught? Is it education? Is it wisdom? Or is it propaganda? Or ideology? You need to know what they're being taught. You need to look, you need to look at their homework. You might learn something while you're doing it, by the way. You need to be actively involved. Should your child, you, you might need, even in this cu culture right now, you might need to make some critical decisions. Should your child be in a Christian school? Should they be homeschooled? Because the school that you went to is not the school they're going to. They're going to a different government-run school that you went to. Times have changed, and you need to hear from God. And you say, well, I might not be able to drive so nice of a car. Yeah, maybe not, but the enemy will not have open access to your child 24-7. Make some critical decisions. Sacrifice. It will be worth it. I didn't know how much my parents sacrificed until I signed my kids up for Christian school. And then I realized how much money I owe my parents. <laughs> don't tell them that I figured it out. We're gonna, we all pretend that we still don't know how much it'll cost them. It was sacrifice. It was sacrifice, and, 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 and they made the critical decisions in the hours and the times where those decisions needed to be made in order that their children might flourish. Men, you need to be a part of this decision-making, and you need to hear from God. And I believe that the Bible will confirm it with your wife, and a wife will confirm it with your husband, because God does speak to two or more witnesses. You need to ha have some areas of consideration in the area of health. 
You need to have some thoughts. You need to use your brain, your mind. You need to do some research. What is the lifestyle of your child? What's their schedule look like? When do they go to bed? When, when do they get up? What, what, what's their day look like? What, what, what are their eating habits? Is it healthy? Is it moving in that direction? Is it helpful for their mind and their bodies to grow? Let me ask you this question. What medications are they on? What medications are they on? Should they be on these medications? For how long should they be on these medications? Is there a plan? Is there a timeline? What are the side effects? Are these medications addictive? You've heard of the opioid epidemic? Most of those most of those prescriptions were prescribed by physicians. And it caused the death of half a million people. You need to have an opinion on the health of your children. Now, I'm not saying uh, that we don't, we don't, uh, we're not thankful for modern medicine. Save my father's life. We're thankful. But we need to partner together. We need to partner together. They might be the expert in the medical field, but you are an expert with your child. And you are an expert with the Spirit of God over your child. And so you need to partner together to make sure what, uh, what they're ingesting is good for them in the long term. You know, my friend's a youth pastor, and he became a youth pastor right around the time that I did. And, and he's still a youth pastor today, so he's been over a decade faithfully serving young people. And he was telling me recently that when he started youth pastoring, they would go to camp. And they had hundreds of kids coming to camp. And in those days, he usually got like one or two bags of medicine for the kids that were going out to camp that he had to make sure they took on over the weekend. But he told me this recent time that they went out in the summer, he said he was given bags and bags and bags of medicine for the kids. He said he thought that there were more kids out of hundreds on medicine than not at this camp. Can I ask you, what's changed in the last 10 years? What's going on? Are there more diseases? Are there breakthroughs? Or do parents need to not willingly just accept anything and you have to make sure you're really thinking this thing through? So am I anti-medicate? Absolutely not. But I am saying make sure you're praying over your children. Make sure you're bringing them to the altar if they need prayer. Make sure that you're bringing wisdom into their life. Make sure that they are sleeping really well. Make sure they're eating well. Make sure their screen time isn't overwhelming. Make sure who they're speaking to, what they're talking about. Make sure that they are speaking to you about what's going on in their life. Make sure that there's an atmosphere of presence and peace in your home. Make sure all those things are happening before you turn to medication and make sure they're happening through the whole thing. Your divine responsibility is that these people will be raised with clear minds, clear bodies, in health, in strength, and Jesus will help you, but you're going to have to be involved. Fathers and mothers. Some people are saying, man, I didn't think Jordan was going to get so controversial this Sunday. Some of you guys are saying, man, I'm, I'm still vibing off the eggnog right now. What's he saying? <laughs> saying that you got to be critical in your decision making. God gave you a brilliant mind. God gave you a brilliant mind. He gave you senses and discernment. You know your child better than anyone in the world. God will help you through this process. Another area of consideration that you need to have with your children is in the area of their worldview. 
in the area of what they believe, the area of their ideology. What do they believe about God? What do they believe about church? What do they believe about belief? What are their values? What are their values? Because if you don't give them their values, the world will give them their values. What are their values? When do they receive those values? Is it when you put them to bed at night? Is it at the dinner table? Is it written on the wall somewhere? What are the values? And can they repeat them back to you? Do they know what it looks like to be a part of your family and part of God's family? Who are their heroes? Because they will grow up to be like somebody. Who are their heroes? Who are their influencers? Who are they looking up to? And who are you surrounding them, who are you surrounding them with? Consider these questions, parents, with the expectation of God's wisdom. Because God will speak to you. The question is, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to obey? And are you willing to obey right away? Joseph got the dream. He got up. He got everybody packed. And before dawn had, had risen, they were on their way into Egypt. He obeyed and he obeyed urgently. If you research the revivals, one of the key things they said that sparked those revivals is that when God spoke, people obeyed right away. There is something about obedience that God loves. He says it's even better than sacrifice. I pray that fathers, you obey and you get better and better at closing the gap between when he speaks and when you follow. We want to work on that lag time. It shouldn't have to be God standing at the door and knocking for three months until you finally say, get in here. When God knocks, we open. When God speaks, we listen. When God instructs, we obey. And God will lead us into life. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, you're a Joseph. You're a Joseph. You know what I think is interesting about Joseph is um, he, he's really uncelebrated in the, in the gospel narrative. You know, everybody loves Mary, and they should. You know, people are praying to Mary right now. You know, hail Mary, you're the best. You know, that whole thing. Nobody's praying to Joseph. Like, hey, dear Joseph, what's up, my dude? You know, no one's, no one's including Joseph. He's uncelebrated, but he is critical in the life of Jesus. And that's a lot like dads. Sometimes what they do is kind of subtle, but they're critical in the raising of godly children. And so God speaks to Joseph, and he says, I want you to follow me as I'm going to lead you out of darkness, out of, uh, of um, uh, potential violence, out of what the enemy had planned. I'm going to lead you, though, into my hand and my protection. So when the angel comes, he has one critical word to speak to Joseph. And it's this word right here in Scripture. It's the word rise. Rise. When God speaks to men all throughout Scripture, this is the word that he uses. When God comes to Abraham, he says, rise. When he comes to Moses, he says, get up and get to Egypt. When he speaks to Gideon, he says, get up and rise. And here he is speaking to Joseph, the same God saying the same message, become more. What is God saying right now? He's saying to the men, God commands men to greater things. Come on, it's time to rise. It's time to enter into maturity. It's time to take on difficult tasks. You're not called to lay back, have no job, be paid by the government, and say, call it a day. No, men, you are called to be hard workers. You are called to push against some stuff. You're called to have a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. You're called to rise. Not let other people rise in your place. God has given you abilities. He's given you divine abilities, breath and inspiration and, and great thinking. Why? 
so that you become more. So that you become more. God calls Joseph higher. And he calls his men higher. You remember when God called Abraham? This is the call of faith. God shows up to Abraham whom he chooses. And this is his, his call. He says, Abraham, get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. What is God saying? He's saying it's time to get up. It's time to get out. It's time to get going. He's calling Abraham into a lifestyle of faith. He says, take the next step. Abraham could have said, God, tell me the final destination. But that's not how God works. God says, I'm the final destination. So take the next step. I want you to follow me now. But in order for you, just as it was for Abraham, so it is for you. In order for you to follow God, you're going to have to leave the old country behind. The old country of sin, of flesh, of self. You have to get out of the country of darkness and you have to move into the country of life. You have to move towards Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes you even have to leave your kindred behind. The people that you were with all this time, but God says you can't be like them. You're called to be someone else. You're called to be your own man, your own woman of God. I want you to come and follow me. And, and this is what even Jesus says. Jesus says when a man's married, he leaves his father's house. And he is joined to his wife. And the two become one. And God's saying, it's time for men to rise. You have to leave your father's house. You know what's interesting about Abraham's father? He was also on the journey to Canaan. But he settled in a place called Haran. But God shows up to Abraham and he says, you won't settle here. You won't settle here. Abraham could have said, well, it was good enough for my dad. It's good enough for me. But God says, no, I want you to complete the calling. I want you to take another step. I want you to continue the journey forward. It's time to arise. God's call is that you would fulfill your potential. God's call, men, is that you would fulfill your potential. There's nothing more tragic than, potent than potential unfulfilled. God's call is that you would fulfill your potential, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing to lay some things down. You have to be willing to embrace some things. And I believe the thing that you have to embrace, the primary thing you have to embrace is you have to embrace your responsibility. Men, God's calling you to embrace your responsibility. Rise, and then he says, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. The greatest responsibility, men, that you will ever have is the responsibility of the woman you chose and the children God gave you. It's the greatest responsibility that you will ever have in your life. The woman that you chose and the children God gave you. And you are called to, to, you are called to fulfill a dual role as protector and provider. You're the protector outward and you're, you're the provider inward. You're the shield against things that would want to come against the family. And then you are the covering, the provider for the family within. But you have to embrace your responsibility. You have to embrace the calling that God has for you. Because the enemy does have a plan. And the enemy's plan is to search and destroy your family. The angel goes on to say, For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Why? Because Herod is a picture of an antichrist spirit. And I hate to tell you this right now, but this antichrist spirit is coming on culture again. This antichrist spirit is being accepted and assimilated by culture. And an antichrist spirit is always first against God. And then it's against the things of God. An antichrist spirit is always against life, it's always against children. 
And it's always against God's spirit. So Herod has a plan. But Joseph is embracing his responsibility, which is his wife and his child. And now God is putting his intervention into place. God comes to Joseph and he says, you are my guardian. Men, you are God's guardian. You are God's guardian. He puts you in the doorway of your home to protect it, to provide for it, to guard over it, to have a thought about it, to, to, to pray, to fast, to think about it. You are God's guardian. I remember there was a time when we were over at my cousin's house. My sister was on a tire swing, and my cousin pushed her uh, too far, too high, you know, cousin stuff. And she went over the fence and landed in our neighbor's yard, but our neighbor had a bad dog. That dog was mean, more wolf than dog. And my dad was up on the porch, and it was really high up. And he saw all this stuff go down, and in one, in one fell swoop, one action, he was over, off the plastic chair, over the porch, and he landed in like a, like a Superman pose. We're all stunned. And then he just like, you know, half flew in a single bound over the fence. And I saw my dad turn into the Hulk in, in one moment. All my life, all I knew was Bruce Banner. He had glasses on. That's all I ever saw around the house, you know. But all of a sudden, the Hulk, this maniac, took over who is this guy? And he jumps in front of my sister, grabs her, and now the dog that thought he was the danger realized he's in danger. <laughs> that dog went from wolf to puppy real quick, you know? <laughs> Rescued my sister. Hear me, God has given men their masculinity to be a threat to anything that would threaten God's children. And this is why masculinity is under attack right now. Because anything that's under attack right now, it's an indication that it's God-given. That's why life is under attack. That's why identity is under attack. That's why freedom is under attack, because it's God-given. And masculinity is under attack because it's God-given right now. I want you to please hear me. I've said this before, and I want to say it again. Uh, the masculinity of godly men is not toxic. Nor is our daughter's femininity toxic. No, masculinity is God-given. It must be mastered, and it must be channeled in the right direction. But it is given there to defend the home and to defend the future and to defend the children, that there's strength in the man, that there's a force of nature in the man that does not just allow anything to happen to the children that God has given him. If there's a bump in the night, you better hope that you got a masculine man. If there's a bump in the night, you don't want the husband to lean over and say, honey, you check that out. You want a man that jumps out of bed, and you better hope he's got a little bit of Hulk in him. And a strong belief in the Second Amendment. <laughs> I'm kidding. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> you know, Jesus said this. Jesus said, if, 
it was, he was speaking about uh, demonic oppression and possession, and he, and he said, if you wanted to rob a house, you must first bind the strong man. You must first bind the strong man. And if you bind the strength of the house, you're free to take anything from the house. But the kingdom of God comes to let the strong man loose and guard the home. The kingdom of God comes to let the biblical strong man guard the door. That's who you are, men of God. That's what your calling is to be. And I think right now the primary problem that we have in all of America is the problem of fatherlessness. I think it is the primary problem that undergirds almost every other problem that we have in society. And I don't know if we're going to solve those problems without solving this problem. And I think we start right here. I think that this claim is statistically provable, but I also think it's spiritually knowable. And I, I've, I've been a youth pastor for many years, know many young men, young women, spoken at youth conferences all over the nation, and I've seen it all over that the primary problem is a fatherless generation. That the enemy knows that if the, if the enemy can remove the father, he gets free reign in the house. If the enemy can remove the father, the enemy can come and steal the children's future, steal the ch children's identity, steal the, ch the children's confidence and strength because they have bound the strong man of the house. But if that is true, the reverse is also true, that if the father is present, then the enemy has no authority. If the father is present, then the enemy cannot have free exercise of his will over the home. This is why it is my goal this year to raise godly men that will raise godly families. It's the goal of this church. I don't know if you saw that story that went viral a month ago or so, but they were having a problem in one of the high schools down in Louisiana, and there were uh, fights breaking out uh, at, at an exorbitant pace. And they're bringing in police presence, and it was not helping at all, and it was just getting worse. 23 fights in the span of a month. And so some of the fathers got together. They started a group called Dads on Duty. Did you see this? It's absolutely amazing. They took shifts to just walk into the school and have their presence be there. And you know what's amazing? From the moment those men entered into the school, there was not one more incident of violence that had gone on simply because their presence, simply because their dad jokes, simply because there was a provider and there was a protector. And you know what's interesting? They asked the students what they thought. And, and the, the, the words that they used were joy and comfort and Someone said, there's a presence of peace now in this school. This is what fathers are called to bring. But you got to embrace your responsibility. you got to embrace your responsibility as a man. And you have to choose your sacrifice. The, the reality is that to be a godly man requires sacrifice. This is what Jesus said. If anyone wants to come after me, the first thing you have to do is deny yourself. Then you have to take up your cross. That's self-denial, that's self-sacrifice, and then that's following God. Paul said this. He said, I die daily. Every single day, I put my flesh to death. I put my desires to death. I put the things that I want to death. I die daily. Men, you have to create, you have to establish a hierarchy of priorities in your life. You have to answer this question, what matters most? What matters most in my life? And when you begin to answer that question, you're also going to have to answer this question, what then 
must I lay down? I believe that what should matter most in your life should be at the pinnacle of that triangle, of that hierarchy of priorities, should be God. First and foremost, God is my first priority. And then your family, and then yourself, and then after that, your career, or your ambitions, or your identity, or your accolades. After that can come all the rest. The problem is the world says you should be at the hierarchy of your priority. You should be number one. Self-care. You should be thinking of yourself. You should be, you should be uh, uh, buying for yourself. You, you, you should be progressing for yourself. And it's upside down. And then we can't figure out why is there no blessings flowing. Well, because you put yourself in the place of God. How then could there be blessings that flow? You are called to rearrange these things and put God first. This is what Paul is speaking about when he says, when I was a child. He says this in 1 Corinthians. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. One translation says, I put away childish things. What is this? This is embracing responsibility. This is choosing sacrifice. The things that keep me immature, the things that keep me small, I choose to put away. Many have to ask and answer this question, what things in my life are keeping me small? What are keeping me immature? What's keeping me in a place that lacks vision, that lacks strength? What's keeping me from leading my family? What keeps me small? For many men, it's video games. I'm coming for you today. You better kept that PlayStation receipt. <laughs> or it could be entertainment, constant binging, nonstop scrolling, social media. It could be old friendships. Let me tell you, if you are still close to those high school friends after you had a 10-year anniversary, we got a problem. Could be old friendships. Could be drinking habits. Gambling. These are things that keep you small. These are things that keep you addicted. See, these things, they exist to help you escape reality. And the truth is not really reality. It help you escape responsibility. And in and of themselves, they're not necessarily sin, but they, they cross the line into sin when they become addictive habits, when they become a cycle in your life. Let me put it simply. If you cannot control it, you have to cut it off. If you can't control it, if you are not the master of it and it has now mastered you, you have to cut it off. And you have to go through any process it takes to become the master of that thing. And listen, I'm right there with you guys. I sold like four Xboxes because the thing started like overtaking my life. And so I went to GameStop and I got like 12 bucks for it. You have to, <laughs> you have to keep letting yourself know I'm in charge. Come on, the Holy Spirit is in charge in me. You are not called to escape responsibility. You're called to embrace responsibility. And so let me give you some addictive indicators that you can see where you're at kind of on this scale. Some indicators of addiction to those things I said would, would be something like this, uh, the amount of time spent. If you're spending some 
over two hours a day on one of those things, most likely you are addicted to the thing. It's an immense amount of time to give to video games or entertainment or drinking or gambling or, or, or old friendships. It, it's an in indicator that your time is slanted in the wrong direction. Another indicator is your mental capacity. A mental capacity. If, if when you're playing video games or watching, if, when you're, if you're constantly playing and when you're not playing, you're constantly obsessing. And when you're not obsessing, you're constantly talking about it. You are caught in a cycle of fantasy. And you are in a place that is a, um, an addictive habit that you have to break. Or take a look at your emotional state. If you're not present, the most important thing for a father to be is present. Because you can say, well, I'm home. Yeah, but you're on your phone. I'm home, but you're in the other room. I'm home, but your head's in the clouds. You have to examine your emotional state. If you're not present, you might have a problem. If you're always frustrated and ticked off, and you think it's everyone else, I hate to tell you, you might have a problem. You're not called to live life like Vesuvius is bubbling under the surface all the time. That's an indicator that there's something that is unhealthy. There's something that you are engaging in perpetually that you have to shift, that you have to break off, that you have to stop, that you have to, you have to give to God, you have to put away childish things. And if you don't put away childish things, you will remain a perpetual child. And there is nothing worse than a 35-year-old child. It's one of the saddest things that we've ever witnessed, a perpetual child, where your emotional state or your, your physical, uh, you know, your, your, the way you speak and the, and the way you live is the same as you were when you were 16. God's goal, men, is to grow you up. Well, final indicator is if you have to hide it, then it's a problem. If you have to hide it, then you most likely are addicted to it. I, I, I say this because I see many, many young men, they're leveling up in games, leveling up in social hierarchies, but they're losing in life. And God wants you to win in life, prosper in life, be blessed in life, be a leader in life. Amen? And if you are unsure if this is you, and anybody can be unsure because we can justify just about anything. If you are unsure if this is you, caught in these bad uh, patterns, ask someone who's very close to you. Say, hey, am I exhibiting any of these tendencies? You got to ask them, and you can't be emotional about their response. You have to say, no emotions, we're going to talk. And it might take a couple conversations because, um, <laughs> well, the perpetual child thing I talked about. <laughs> and I want to say to the woman here, I want to give you permission to bring it up in conversation. Blame me. Hey, the pastor wanted me to ask you. He's, it was his application in the sermon, you know. He said, tonight, I have to ask you about this area of your life. And I want you to give permission to your wife to be able to talk about these things. Because this is why God put you together. This is why God put you together. Two are better than one. That if one falls into a pit, the other can lift them out. And this is how God God has established the marriage so that you don't get stuck in a cycle of selfishness. Because the reality is that is what we as men have to fight, is selfishness. We have to fight it. And the only way out is by embracing responsibility, choosing sacrifice, and, and, and walking towards God in this way. And I want to encourage you, if you feel like, hey, I, I need to adjust some things, I need to break some cycles in my life, these next 21 days of prayer and fasting, I believe you need to use these days 
as a time to begin to break the cycle of addiction in your life. Break the cycle of things that have mastered you in your life. Jesus talks about uh, demons that come on people, and he said these type can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. Sometimes you need to level up your prayer by adding fasting to it. And when you do, you're going to begin, I believe, to enter into another spiritual state where you're going to find more strength and where you're going to find the Holy Spirit there in this with you in the fight. Make no mistake, God is always for Joseph. He is always for Mary. God is not against you. He is for you. And I pray today, if you feel conviction, may it lead to the cross of Jesus Christ, which will bring reformation, will bring life change. In the name of Jesus. And it's my hope that we have a culture in this church of Joseph's. Godly men raising godly families. If you're a single woman in this place, I want you to to hear me. Search for a man with God's priorities. Search for a man that is already putting God first and then will put you next, not just for while you're dating, not just for while you're engaged, not just for the first year, but will put you first for the next 50 years. And the only way to find a guy like this, you have to check him by other godly men. You have to check him. Because you don't know guys. Guys know guys. You don't know guys. You think you know guys. You don't know guys. Guys know guys. You have to check him by other godly men. Because you think he's the greatest and everyone else thinks this guy's a schlub. (laughs) What does that word mean? (laughs) You have to check him. And then you have to let, let there be wisdom. Because I've got to give you a warning. Only God can grow men up. Only God can grow men up. Not you. Because you think, you think you can change him. I watch a lot of HTTV. I'm ready for a renovation project. I'm going to work on him. Believe me, you, <laughs> you'll put a lot more money and time into that thing than you'll ever get out. You can't renovate that guy. You need God to reform that guy. Amen. To the married woman, pray. To the married woman, pray that God will lead him. Because God will lead him. God will lead him. I mean, look at Joseph. Multiple times, God interrupts his sleep, wakes him up with direction. God will lead him. You know the beautiful thing about Joseph? He was open to the change uh, that God wants to bring into his life. The Bible says that Joseph had settled in his heart to divorce his wife, and then God sent him a message. And maybe there's someone in this place where you have settled in your heart, I'm going to divorce my wife, I'm going to divorce my spouse. But today, God is sending me as a messenger to say, divorce is not the solution. Jesus is the solution. Get into counseling, get into a a good crew, get at the altar and let God begin to change you. So pray that the Holy Spirit will lead him because the Holy Spirit, God will lead him. And when you see him take a direction, a step in that direction, affirm that step. Sometimes it's easier to tell everybody what they're doing wrong. It's more difficult to encourage when they're doing right. But let me tell you, you'll get a lot more out of affirmation when men begin to move in the right direction than you will to get, I don't want to use this word, don't use the word nagging, than you will with nagging in the other direction. Don't use that word, Jordan. I didn't use that word. I used another word. You'll get a lot more out of affirmation than you will out of demand. So when you see him take a step that's in covenant with God, say amen to it. To the men, I want to speak to you that if there's a part of this sermon that made you angry at me, you're not mad at me, you're mad at God. No. <laughs> Just made it. <laughs> Go take it up with him. <laughs> I'm kidding. Men, I want to speak to you today. Embrace conviction. Because conviction will lead to change. Conviction will lead to reformation. Come on, I believe you're called to rise. 
You're called to rise. You're called to be more. You're called to lead more. You cannot look at the men of the world to determine who you should be. You have to look at the men of the Bible. You have to look at the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is convicting you today, embrace that conviction. And let God speak you and lead you into reformation. And young men, this is the, the man I spoke about today. That's the kind of man you're called to be. So enjoy your video games now because when you have two kids, <laughs> it's time to put away some childish things. There's some 45-year-old guys that are really angry about this sermon. <laughs> I'm going to watch church online. <laughs> All right, let's stop the sermon before I get canceled. Can I have the band come up? <laughs> Young men, you're called to be men of God. You're called to be Gideons. You're called to be Josephs. You're called to be Timothys. You might look around and not see a whole lot of them, but you're called to lead. You're called to be a pioneer. And God wants to build a great family around you. And you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes. And there's going to be a process to all of this. But God will bring truth and grace into that process, that you will become more than you ever could be on your own. I'm closing right now, but the final verse says this, out of Egypt, I called my son. God culminates this whole story by saying, and don't worry, I'm calling you to cover and protect and bring him to Egypt, but out of Egypt, I will call my son out. Fathers and mothers, we are called to raise our children, but God will rescue them. We're going to raise our children to the best of our abilities, but you do not have to be their Messiah. They already have one. You do not have to be their Jesus. He already came. God will call them out of Egypt. He's going to call them out of bondage, out of slavery, and out of sin. God will be the one that will rescue them. We are called to steward. He is going to rescue. God expects his sons to provide, to protect their family against the plans of the enemy, to raise godly young men and women. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.